It's a residency at the House of M's. This is Triple M Nights with Dave Gleeson. We couldn't afford all the rights to that amazing drum solo with silos and banging on cans and bottles and stuff from Power and the Passion, but we're pretty sure you won't be able to tell the difference between that and my saucepans from the cupboard in my kitchen. go seamless who needs money our next guest is one of australia's great songwriters yeah that's right he's more than just the drummer for midnight oil i'm gonna rattle off some names of songs that you'll know armistice day beds are burning blue sky mine the dead heart don't want to be the one dream world forgotten years king of the mountain u.s forces yeah all those oil songs that have the in front of him that's rob hurst man and he's got a new EP coming out, Red, Red Continent. Continent. So let's have a yarn with the man who can make a drum solo out of a barn. It's Rob Hurst. Well, we all know that the oils pulled up stumps last year in 2022, but Rob Hurst went straight back to doing what he's always done, writing his open-hearted rock songs that grapple with our place and time. And we are lucky here at nights to have Rob on the line to talk about the new songs he's written. Gay, Rob, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Dave. Mate, the uh, the new EP is called Red Continent, and you must have seen just about all of it by now. Well, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> this continent and quite a few of the others as well. Uh, but you know, yeah, that's right. The song, I mean, the song is obviously about. Well, you know, we've had three years of drenching rain, but then it, with what's happened in Canada and Greece and other parts mm. of Europe, can't help worrying about what what's in store for Australia as we move in from La Nina to El Nino, and. Um, yeah, I and mean, we are the driest of all continents. And uh, not so long ago, as you know, the Darling River, or the Barker, as we should call it, and the Murray, you know, were, were nearly dried up puddles. Yeah. And so so um, felt like I had to write a song about that, but also um, not my, just myself. I got uh, Jim Magini from the Oils, and one of my favourite drummers, Hamish Stewart, actually playing drums instead of myself. Well, that must give you uh, a, a bit more free reign on stage. Well, we're actually not going <laughs> to – you say stage, but we actually haven't got any shows planned. <laughs> it's a studio project, just four, four new songs, four songs of mine, which I brought to Jim and Hamish down at Jim's Oceanic Studio on Sydney's Northern Beaches. Lovely. And over the, over the last couple of years, whenever Jim was free and Hamish was free, we just met and um, – and, yeah, I, d- I did my kind of, you know, acoustic strum on my trusty old Martin guitar and let Hamish do the drum duties. And Jim, who plays and does everything um, and produced the EP as well, allowed them free reign and it came together, really easy project, and um, I'm really happy with the way the songs turned out. Awesome. Well, it seems like you're one of these people who's always open to wherever the uh, wherever the inspiration comes from um, and, and, and you feel kind of moved to do it, you'll write a song. There's a, a song here, obviously, uh, that Little Bits of Wire that was uh, is a tribute to your dad. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's about dad, but it's also about men of that generation. Yep. So dad, dad, um, dad was a serviceman. He went to fight the Japanese in the final years of the Second World War. And um, like a lot of those men came back very silent and never... Dad never spoke about his experiences. Mm. Um, but the other thing, of course, about people of that generation, and I'm talking about children of the Great Depression, is that they they were incredibly resourceful and independent and never relied on anyone and never spent any money. Like, I can't remember, Dave, any time that a tradesman came near our door because Dad, <laughs> Dad would always do everything. You know, he was a sparky, he was a, he was a plumber, 
he was a chippy, you know, he'd just do everything. And he fixed anything, as myself and my brothers used to say, he'd fix everything with just little bits of wire. So that's, <laughs> right. what, the, that's what the song's about. Awesome. Well, and, and that inspiration, is, is it still exciting to you when you do feel, oh, there's a song in that. There's a and you whether it's a story as you know you've written about the Marbo case, um, you've written yeah, and uh, the Red Continent talks about you know where we might be heading. There's, is there excitement that you get in in feeling that kind of inspiration? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would know yourself. Still, mm. we're still addicted to that adrenaline and that and the surprise. You know, you can surprise yourself. You know, you got got songs rattling around the head all the time and ideas but when they coalesce and i gotta say when you're working with people like jim magini yeah. and hamish stewart you know they've got a lifetime of, of experience i never have to explain anything they just pick up the song immediately and make it better yeah and i don't you know, all i have to do is sing the damn thing and and strum it so easy yeah and uh, there must be a connection between yourself and jim you've been mates for the best part of your whole life just about uh there must be something special in that connection we were so lucky, you know, we we went to different schools, but we met for a friend up the road and um, and just when we were 15. Right, wow. I mean, more than <clears throat> 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so lucky to meet Jim because even back then, you know, like I remember the first time I met Jim, I think we started writing songs from day one, you know, just sort of, I mean, I, I like kind of different music than Jim, but we, we both love the Beatles, of course, and... I think Jim was more into prog back then, into bands like um, Yes and Focus and Tull, Jethro right, Tull. Yep. And I was kind of more into you know, Credence and, um, well, the Beatles too, but the the Stones and, and the first generation of beat bands coming out of England, the Yardbirds, the Who, all of those. And we sort of combined forces and, and um, started writing songs almost immediately and then the other members of the band gradually joined. So by 1978... We first got our record deal, an independent record deal, uh, from from Powderworks Records down here in Brookvale in Sydney. Yeah. Then we'd already been sort of writing songs for five or six years and been doing these tours up and down the, the New South Wales coast. So we kind of already had some experience and, and live. And, and the songs, as you know, you know, the songs when you've, when you've got new songs, it's great if you can take them on the road and batter them into shape before yeah. you record them. Because otherwise, you always think, oh, we recorded that too slow, or, you know, this is, we, if we only could record it again now that we've played it for weeks and weeks, it would be so much better, you know. But um, we, we were playing shows. So the, the first album, the, the Blue Meanie, as we used to call yeah, it, yeah. Is, is actually like a live in the studio recording. Mm. Well, it's it's, it's strange because you don't get that opportunity uh, to see the reactions of crowds where you lose them, where you where they're really pumped up, unless you get in front of them to do it, do you? And then, uh, which is when we're young and before our first album, you're knocking songs into shape all the time. Oh, that one doesn't work. This one works. But you you really have to become discerning in your own kind of uh, listening, don't you? Yeah, and it's um yeah, it's just something. I mean um. It's just something that gradually happens. It's not something that you can, you know, there's no, I mean, I, I admire those uh, contemporary music schools, but I think I think that probably the the schools that you and I went to, you know, in the real world were probably more valuable. Yeah. Um, and I, I sense from what you were saying, people glazing over in the middle eight, and then yeah. you, you, come, <laughs> you come back and go, I knew we shouldn't have put it in F sharp minor. <laughs> that's right. They hate F sharp minor. Yeah, that's right. That, 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 that shit's going nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah. 
<laughs> so you know, it's it's. Um, I think we were very lucky. I mean, it's not an opportunity that a lot of bands have now, because there simply aren't the gigs to play. No. I mean, we were playing playing every night of the week around the country, and then coming around at the same time as In Excess were playing Dragon, uh, Rose Tattoo, uh, Chisel, of course, The Angels. Um, early Hoodoo Gurus, you know, and we were ne- we never saw each other because we we're all ships in the night, just yeah. playing and playing. Maybe catch up at Springfield's or the uh, <laughs> right, Mansell yeah. room after the, the show. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> now tell us about uh, this. This seems a very important song. Uh, no longer shadows about those who were involved, Eddie Marbo, Eddie Marbo, and the elders who were involved uh, in the native title fight in uh, th- uh, over thirty years ago. Yeah, that's right. So I just thought in the year of the voice, and of course we are an enormous yes supporters with, um, you know, with this coming um, decision, yep. which is happen- happening in South Australia as we speak. But, um, you know, we travelled the world in um, uh, a couple of years ago with the the projection of the Uluru Statement from the Heart behind us. Right, yep. We explained it in English, in the countries that are English speaking, and in my schoolboy French, I explained it in French. <laughs> In places like France and Switzerland. And um, so, you know, we've kind of been spreading the gospel now, um, Dave, for years. Mm. We, think it's, we think it's like the Marbo decision where there was huge opposition and a fear campaign. Um, and I noticed, by the way, a fear campaign again by um, John Howard, who, you know, was totally opposed to Marbo. But yeah, right. Look, look at what Marbo has brought for First Nations people. But not just First Nations people. Look what it's brought to the country as a whole, this idea of a country that was once invaded but now can be shared, you know, yeah. amongst everyone. It's been huge. And we're certain that a yes vote will bring the same kind of intergenerational change that happened 30 years ago. Unreal, mate. Well, uh, you lending your voice to it, Rob, is definitely going to uh, to, to, to galvanise people, I'm sure, uh, as you say, into to looking at it in, in a rational way rather than uh, this crazy uh, emotional kind of blackmail that seems to be going on and uh, misinformation. Uh, Red Continent is what it's called. It's a four-track EP. It comes out uh, very, very shortly, the 8th of September this week. Uh, that, that that's going to be um, this will be next week it comes out the 8th of September so make sure you get a copy it features Rob Hurst Jim McGinney and Hamish Stewart singing some songs that really resonate with all Australians Rob a pleasure as always mate oh thanks so much I really appreciate it as always and um, yeah good luck with your own songs and music I, I gather I think have you got a new album coming out as well we or just take just came out. You yeah, know, we, we, we're yeah. going through that thing at the moment where we're going, God, I wish we had more time <laughs> to record this and change things yeah. up a bit. But uh, we'll leave it out to the people, mate. That's it. The, 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 the harshest judges, but the only judges that you can really trust. Exactly. <laughs> Rob Hurst, well, thanks very much for your time, mate. It's yeah, great to have yeah, you pleasure. on the M's. Pleasure. Talk soon. Cheers, mate. Great. For all the latest rock news, interviews and backstage experiences, don't forget to subscribe to Triple M Rock on the Listener app.